Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode ninety. In the pocket like Wallace, I got the bounce like hydraulics. I can't call it, I got the swirl like alcohol. My freshman year, I was going through hella problems to lie. Bit up the nerve to drop my ass about a call. My teacher said I was a loser. I told her, Why don't you kill me? I give a fuck if you feel me, I'm gonna follow my heart. And if you follow the charts or the plaques or the stats, you gotta guess who's back. You see, I'm so shy that you thought I was bashful. But this bastard's flow will bash your skull, and I will cut your girl like past the troll. And I don't usually. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 90 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Dubron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start first by saying... Happy anniversary to me, baby. The Bronx Bias Podcast as of Wednesday, February the 9th, has turned two years old. Hold on. Let me give myself an air horn. Let me give myself some props. Yes, indeed. It is a momentous occasion. Um, I feel really proud of of the journey, you know, um, that I've been on. Um, you know, I started this endeavor two years ago. I just didn't know. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know whether people would like it. I didn't know whether I'd be talking to air and if anyone would ever tune in. I didn't know if I could ever get guests. Um, you know, when I first started, I just wanted to make one episode. You know, I just wanted to do one. And then one turned into 10 and 10 turned into 20. And now we're here at 90. So it's just a real blessing. You know, I feel I feel really confident and I feel really blessed um, just to be able to do this. You know, a lot of people have dreams and have goals to be independent or entrepreneurs, but, you know, life gets in the way. And, you know, I just feel really good about, you know, um, where I'm at. You know, I know there's a lot more work to do. Sometimes I do struggle, um, but it's all part of the process and it's all part of the journey. And you know, I'm just really, really proud of making it to two years. Um, and I look forward to you know, more and more, you know, I'm really proud of making 90 episodes. I'm really thrilled that I was able to talk to 30 guests and I'm just looking uh, forward to what the future will come for this platform and come for myself. I really sincerely appreciate every single person who tunes into the show, who likes, who subscribes, who shares and supports. And that's why I make sure I say it at the beginning of every episode, because without you guys, uh, you know, this wouldn't be possible, you know, without you guys listening, 
I wouldn't have the motivation to come in and try new things or interview interesting people and really work hard to make a show that I'm proud of. So I really appreciate all the love and support. I encourage you guys to keep supporting me. You know, I'm 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 independent, you know what I mean? I do everything solo dolo, so the support is really, really important. It's really necessary and needed. And, you know, if if you listen to the show and you like it, I appreciate you, number one. And number two, you know, tell a friend. You know what I mean? Tell a friend. Uh, play it for your play it for your homies. Tell your family about it. Help get the word out. And uh, hopefully we can have more and more and more years to come. Um, but yes, happy anniversary to the Bronx Bias Podcast, two years in. Hopefully many more years to come. And um, it's just a real blessing. So I had to make sure I start the show with that. You know, I have to make sure I give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Because 90 episodes, no matter in what field it is, ain't easy to accomplish. So I'm very proud. Um, but I'm only looking forward to what's to come next. So um, just, you know, pat on the back. A moment to, you know, uh, revel in all the work I've done. But it ain't over. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep this thing rocking. So thank you guys um, for listening. Thank you guys for the support. And um, I'm looking forward to more and more memories and more and more anniversaries. So thank you guys so much. Please don't forget, though, your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D dot M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me on there. I got hoodies. I've got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks. I've got stickers with much, much, much more to come. Um, as I mentioned before, and I'll mention it again, I'm an independent potter from the BXNY. And so supporting the merchandise is just one of the best ways to help keep the podcast going the way that it does. I don't have any sponsorships or any deals as of yet. So just all the support I can receive, not only with listening to the show, but the merchandise is very, very, very important and vital to the life of the podcast. So if you're out there and you like listening to the show, Go on the site and check it out. Hook yourself up with some fresh gear, man. It'll help you out because you'll be looking fresh and fly. And it'll help me out as to the support and the lifeblood of the show. So um, check out the site if you haven't. And I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate every single person who has gone on the site and purchased some merchandise from me. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. And I look forward to... Having more of you guys rock my stuff, man. It's, it's super cool when I see people wearing my stuff. So, uh, you know, the site is there. Go check it out if you haven't. And I really, really appreciate it. And with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, great, great show today. Fully, fully, fully packed. And I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood. And I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing song from my guy. And people who listen to the show over the last two years, you guys know that this is my guy. And it is called Get Em High by Kanye West featuring Talib Kweli and Common 
off of the album, The College Dropout. And man, I think on, was it Thursday, the 10th of February? I think that was the 18-year anniversary of The College Dropout coming out, which is crazy. Like, I remember my mom brought The College Dropout home, and we listened to that joint all day. We, I had never to that point heard hip-hop that sounded like that with so much soul samples. Even you got the soul samples rocking with like songs like Through the Wire or All Falls Down. Then he also had the backpack stuff like Two Words and Get Em High. He also had the new workout plan on there and the great school spirit skits. Like you just knew, even me at that age, I think I was like 11 years old when that came out. You knew that Kanye West was going to be a name that we would not forget anytime soon. Like you felt that energy You felt that vibration just coming from that music and his earliest stages of recording. You just knew that he would be a guy that would be a household name. And all these years later, you've seen all the things that he has done, all the great music he has put out, all the great songs he's produced, the fashion, the sneakers, the high profile relationships, the controversial moments like this is a a guy that has lived a full life. And his life is not even close to being over. Like, he's one of the most impactful, influential people in the history of music, in the history of black culture. And, like, this is where it all started, man, the college dropout. Like, you never heard hip-hop like that. Like, you never, at least me, I can't speak to anybody else, but at least me at that age, I never heard hip-hop that way. And I sincerely believe that Kanye West is the greatest hip-hop musician ever. I believe that Jay-Z is the greatest rapper ever, but Kanye, in my opinion, is the greatest hip-hop musician ever to walk the earth because of the variety of music, the way he plays with flows, the way he plays with melodies, the beat selection, all of that shit is just like, he's the total package. Like, you know, he's the total freaking package. And um, he's just one of my favorites ever. And I know he's had a number of controversial moments and statements and, you know, people have a warped view on him but as it relates to the music and all the other shit man he's really like top tier a plus plus so shout out to my guy great way to start the show and uh he always will be you know he always will have a special place in my heart because of all the shit he's done so shout out to the god kanye west now it is time for my favorite 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 Favorite, favorite, favorite segment of the podcast, and it is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show, just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is the Van Cortlandt House Museum located at 6036 Broadway is the oldest building in the borough of the Bronx. It is located in the southwestern portion of Van Cortlandt Park. The museum strives to be a vital member of the Bronx cultural community and the larger region by preserving, researching, and interpreting the house and its historical collection for a wide audience with the purpose of growing meaningful connections between the past and the present. 
For more information or to see how you can visit this house, you can visit them at their website, vchm.org. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 90. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, all right. We getting right to the shits today. We have a very, 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 very special guest. It's only special guests that appear here on the Bronx Bias Podcast. Today, we have Omar McRae, who is an educator, a documentarian, a coach, Bryce's dad, and the yes, creator sir. of Broken Land TV. Omar, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show, taking some time thank to talk you. to me today. How thank are you, bro? I'm well, brother. I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate you for extending the invite. Uh, a friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show, for sure. And uh, it's nothing like two kings having a conversation. So That's a fact. That's a fact. Got to uh, chop it up. I'm excited. Exactly. So pleasure to be here, brother. That's great. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad, I'm glad to have you here. So, Omar, can you tell the people... Where are some of the places that you could be reached if they want to get in contact with you or see all the work that you're doing out here? Of course. Uh, you can catch me on uh, Broken Land TV 1 on Instagram and uh, on TikTok. Just, you know, got my feet wet in TikTok. Uh, that was fun. Uh, you can catch me on uh, Adventures of Cray. That's my personal handle, Adventures of Cray on Instagram. Uh, Broken Land TV. Subscribe to that. YouTube, please. Uh, Teachers Lounge, new episode coming up uh, February 12th, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. We have two episodes premiering for Broken Land TV. What is love? Episodes 20, episodes 21. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And uh, also Twitter, Broken Land TV on Twitter. Love all right. Love. All right. You got to let them know where to find you. Now, yes, yes, yes. Can't be out here, you know, hiding and shit. People go, to you know. know. Yeah, People want to no. know who you are and why you on. Yeah, no. Omar, the first question I like to ask most of the guests is about COVID yeah. because right now COVID uh, has changed our world in a way yeah. that we never saw coming. Let me tell you, none of us was prepared for this That's shit. So weird. how has COVID affected you personally? How has it affected your business? And also, what have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about the world during this COVID time? Uh, it's a dope-ass question. Um, so. Real talk, like for COVID, it affected me in a sense where when it first hit, like I was, you know, pretty much is my son and I. So during that whole pandemic, it was me and him. His uh, school was shut down, his daycare. My school was shut down. I was working. I was teaching at the time in Brooklyn, Canarsie, Brooklyn. And um, teaching remotely, you were essentially learning on the fly how to teach all over again, but in a different you know, different spectrum. So every teacher was feeling it. like, I know, shout out to all our original essential workers, like the nurses, doctors and all that good stuff. But the teachers, us, we were definitely essential. And I don't think we really get the credit that we kind of deserve because we essentially had to learn on the fly. And yeah, it was just a, it was one of those times when also self-discovery, you feel me? So. I had a whole bunch of projects that were uh, on the, you know, on the back burner. And one of them being Broken Land TV, um, my docu-series, What is Love, which has been 
years in the making. So COVID essentially came to be more of like uh, one of those, I'm going to give this analogy. I give it to my students. I don't know if you're ready for this. So you watch The Flash? Yeah. All right. So that, so Flash, Barry Allen. So they had that whole, you know, it's, you know, they had that whole explosion. And then essentially everybody came out with this, with this power. They were metahumans essentially. And you had those who used their powers for good. And you had those who used their powers for evil. So essentially, I feel like COVID was our explosion, essentially. And you came out of it the way you did. You either came out, you know, with more, you know, more oomph, more, you know, more energy to get things done. Or you came, you know, use that power for negativity and you just got worse. You feel me? So definitely my superpower that came out of it was just to go get it. You know, don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow, as we all know now, as we, if we didn't know, isn't promised. You know what I'm saying? So COVID definitely allowed me to gain more of a perspective, you know, so definitely that. And also more bonding time with my son, because prior to COVID happening, I would, my commute from Brooklyn in the Bronx was almost like two hours. So by the time he's home, he's asleep. You know, I'm not mad at that, but, you know, I want to spend time with my, with my little man, you know, so that was an adjustment for sure. Uh, the second part of your question, because I, I want to um, make sure I hit. What have you learned about yourself and also what have you learned about the world during this time? Uh, the world is fucked up. Shit. <laughs> the world <laughs> <Shit>. is fucked. <laughs> like, um, I realized, bro, we are all like, like a, how the song go with AZ? You all just focus on a big old wheel. Yeah. Hoping, you know, trying to catch up here. So it's just, we're all focused on a spinning wheel all in our individuals, you know, spinning wheels. And like, we're trying to get up that hill by any means necessary, no matter how or who we have to go through or push, you know? Um, so yeah, the world is fucked up, bro. Big time, big time. <laughs> so what you were saying though earlier, like that's that's really how I approached COVID. Like before yeah. I was like, that. I, I always wanted to start a podcast. Like, I always wanted to talk yeah. to people. I never wanted yeah. to be working at no job and shit. I always wanted to have somewhere where people come and talk and we would just kick it. And like, that was like my yeah. dream. COVID came out of the sky, man. It, it felt like it, like, <laughs> like, you know, like men in black, the alien came Word. out of the sky and crash landed. That's how, that's how COVID felt. Word. And I said, yeah. instead of being down on myself and you staying home doing nothing, gaining weight, why don't I try? You know, that's how this podcast Listen. really came about. Like, Word. And it's like, I feel like, which is crazy to say, but I'm so thankful for it because without it, I wouldn't be in this position where I'm doing now, you know, yeah. really going after my dreams and, and doing things with my life that I didn't think I would be doing. I thought I would just be that guy at the office, chained to the desk, yeah. waiting for retirement, yeah. you know, like, but now it's mm -hmm. like, I got revitalized, refreshed. Like I got so much energy. I'm so excited about this. So I, you know, it sounds crazy, but I'm really thankful for COVID. I would say thank you, COVID, wherever you are, wherever you came from. Thank you. Because it really, oh, like, it really helped to advance my life. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? We sometimes we need that things before things can get great. We have to go through that ugly, you know, that's the uh, inconvenient truth of the, of, of the world. Right. So essentially what you said, like a lot of us, you know, came out with that push to just go get it and look what's look what it's on you understand so 
it's one of those things where it 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 forced you to look yourself in the mirror because you couldn't go anywhere. You feel me? Like you couldn't go anywhere. Like you you talked about gaining weight. Like I think everybody and their mama. Like for me, listen, I just looked in the mirror and I realized I had no shape. <laughs> and like I even my son is like, Dad, like maybe you should just stop eating burgers, you know? <laughs> like it hit me like no lie. Like I know I always tell a story. I tell a story to my students, like there was this one time I couldn't even do a push-up. Like I was trying to do two. And I'm looking at my son. I'm like, yo, I ain't got it, man. <laughs> but with that, I was just like, no, nah, I have to do better. You know, I have to, you know, do better. You know, and uh, what opened my eyes was George Floyd. Yeah. Like, big. That was a big moment, a big turning yeah, point. Yeah. That, like, and you, funny thing is, you said COVID, what happened, but like, that was our experience. Like, mm-hmm. we were all home witnessing that watching that you feel me and that was the thing that really got it got me it was just like wow like this is america mm-hmm. you feel me so yeah. it also really like it really it which is kind of it's sad to say when i think about it in retrospect but it really got me yeah. like yo i really want to live my life the way i want to live it because unfortunately right. in this society i could just be going outside at the store and it could be over. Like we've seen that happen too many you times. We've seen too many people, you know, be be victims of that type of abuse or that type of yeah. you know brutality. And we all know we carry that around. Like, yo, we never say it, but we come like, damn, this could be it. This could be my last day today. Right. You know, just because of how the world has been set up and all the racist things that are prevalent. So it really like put that battery in my back more. Like, yo. You don't know when it's going to be time for you to go see the big man. Why yeah. don't you do something that you always wanted to do? Why are you still living in fear? What's mm-hmm. what's going to happen if you try? Like that's and that's just how I put it. I just have my mentality in that way. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen for me positively if I don't try. Nothing yeah. I'm never going to accomplish nothing if I don't try. I'm never going to get nowhere and talk to amazing people if I don't try. So, I'm going to use this time where I'm chilling in the crib. And I'm going to really try my, work my ass off to try to get this shit, like, to the level where I'm proud of it, you know? So, again, I hate to say it this way, but I'm really thankful for COVID. That's <laughs> the craziest thing in the world to say. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm but really it's thankful. real. It's real. I mean, in perspective, right? Because I think when people hear that, they'll think of the negative connotation behind it, like the people that we've lost, which we'd be remiss if we right. didn't mention that, right? Yes. But it's... It's real, like with every, you know, with every, you know, bad, you know, thing that happens to us, we have to look at the other side of it because that's essentially how life is. Like with every death, like, listen, essentially we have to continue, right? And as morbid as that may sound, it's the, thing, like I said, the inconvenient truth yep. of it all. And that's what I've learned as well. Like, I don't, I don't want to turn it since it's like this deep, but it's just like, yo, the real shit is like, like you just said so perfectly, tomorrow isn't promised. It's not promised to anyone. So we have to seize the day, seize the time to be great, you know? So all you young whippersnappers out there, don't be waiting around. Your, your dream, <laughs> your blessing ain't going to fall out the Bro. sky. It ain't. You better go and yeah. work for that shit. And you got this. Yeah. 
You got the phone, Word. man. You got everything you need on the phone. So I think it's it's worth saying, like, I'm very much happy. You know, I don't have everything I want. I don't got the, the yeah. rolls outside and I ain't got the Richard Milley playing Jane. But, you know, I'm working yeah. for something. I feel really good about where I am in life, even though I don't have all the quote unquote materials and things like that. I know what I'm doing is something I'm really proud about. I don't have to kiss no white man ass. And I don't have to, you know, fall in line just to keep this, uh, keep a job or keep stay employed. I'm doing what I want to do. And that's your luxury. That's your luxury. That is your wealth. That's you right. That's so, you yes. know? so Omar, we want we want to talk What's about up? you, man. Enough about me. The people know me. They want to know about you. All right. Well, wanna, I want to well. know about your journey. I want to know about your story. I want to know about all of that. Uh, listen, so the, my man, first question, my first stop. one. What inspired you to start your career in filmmaking and also what inspired you to get involved with education? Those are two sort of polar opposites, um, making films so you know and what? also teaching. Yeah, so, so we're going we gonna to start with teaching All right, because um, this is the fun story. Well, not so much fun, but my journey was a bit, I taught uh, high school. I was, uh, I started in pre-K, but it's just been like my experience. Right. So I initially got into teaching because my 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 first wife at the time, she had a friend who was in teaching and she was on maternity leave and full transparency. This is the fun part. Like I was one of those dudes that got fired on his day off. <laughs> so this is probably like you can do like an edit of like, how the hell you get fired on your day off? So <laughs> I was a, a temp at a. I was working for a temp agency and I was working at Lincoln hospital in the Bronx and I was a financial clerk. And, um, it's funny enough. Like I, I was, um, I was, I had my day off. <laughs> I vividly remember I was, uh, eating leftovers and I was watching how to make it in America. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah. On HBO. Yeah. Yes. I don't know why they canceled that show, but, um, and I got the phone call, man. It was like, uh, your, your assignment is terminated at Lincoln Hospital. And I'm like, I just got Craig. I didn't think about, oh, damn, what I'm going to do for a job. I'm like, damn, I got fired on my day off. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I'm like, how do you get fired on your day off? I mean, I wasn't still in boxes. You're in boxes. You know what <laughs> the fuck you still in boxes, though? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to go to the clubhouse? I know you ain't going like that. All right. But, um... <laughs> It was more or less that uh, that get up and go like, okay, what am I gonna do now? You know, so uh, I took my exams that I needed to take to kind of like get that pre-certification thing going, so I can at least be a para. But um, they needed like an a, a assistant teacher at the time, so I <clears throat> I went I went in filled in for my my first wife's uh, friend at the time, and uh, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Preschool is, I will say this about teaching. I would say start in preschool because that's where you learn <clears throat> patience. If you have uh, any aspiring teachers who are listening to this episode, watching, start you know, preschool because at that level, like they'll teach you a level of patience that you will no doubt need. <laughs> so it's definitely something that I, I always preach that like that's what taught me like the ultimate patience even with my son now you know like he can cry and it's like all right you know there was this one little girl i think her name was jamila forgot 
All I know is that she cried a lot. She cried from 8 a.m., bro, to 4 p.m. I'm going to say that one more time for the listeners. 8 (laughs) a.m. to 4 p.m. And it was just like the only time she didn't cry was when she had to use the bathroom. So I'm like, you know what's crazy? I'm like, sweetheart, you can just stay in the bathroom. (laughs) I was I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that, guys. I was just thinking in my head, you know, teachers, we do that. But um, that was a, she was a, she was that one student. But I progressed. And, you know, uh, I, then after that, I taught at um, um, a school for autistic children, special, special needs downtown on uh, Union Square. And then I was in, the, uh, I was a teaching artist for some time for about two years. I taught poetry. Also, I, I write poetry, have uh, uh, published about seven, eight books. You can check me out, Omar King McCray. Omar King McCray, new book coming out, My Journal to the World, March 3rd. Um, but yeah, as a teacher, you know, it's just more or less like the patience, but growing, growing and growing and getting the experience, being a teaching artist in Brooklyn, which was another experience, bro. Like, I never, you ever seen Dangerous Minds? Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer. That was, the school sunset park that was a school like i mean there was dudes getting their hair braided in my class bro and like dudes are smoking weed in the stairway and then coming to my class and i'm like and they big as me so i'm like what i'm gonna say sit down like nah just uh when you come in just you know what i'm saying just just say what's up (laughs) you know but they got cool with me because i spoke to them as you know as an equal i I didn't speak to speak down to them you know, because what inspired me to teach, I should have started it with this, was I always wanted to be the teacher I always wanted, you know, I always wanted to have. And one of the teachers that always stands out to me as a kid, and his name was Mr. Hall, and he was like a dope substitute teacher. And what made him so dope was because he was just like a person that knew everything, a jack of all trades. And he was just a dope individual who made him so dope it was the fact that he was invested in me. He was like, he would ask me, what you do this weekend? Like, I've never had a teacher ask me that, you know? And the fact that he was so, you know, wanting to get to know me and like lead me to different things, he was just like, yo, you should do this. You should try that. And it was just like, wow, that's dope. And, you know, little did he know, like that kind of like ignited that idea of like, if I were to ever get into the realm of teaching, he would be that model. You know, so Mr. Hall, shout out to you. I've been teaching for about 11 years now. I teach seventh grade social studies in the Bronx. Uh, I've taught in Brooklyn for about four years in Canarsie, Flatbush, Bed-Stuy. Um, yeah, gym teacher. I was a gym teacher for a couple of years. It's a fun experience. Uh, any, all the stereotypical gym teacher <laughs> cliches, I was it. Well, the, the, the stereotypical, yeah, the stereotypical gym teacher thing I know is those who cannot teach teach gym. <laughs> so you know what? I partially am in that demographic, right? Because they're like, Miss <laughs> McCray, what? What? You think you're so nice? Why did you make it to the NBA, huh? I'm like, hey, that's exactly why. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was it was quite the experience teaching, uh, being a PE teacher. I taught uh, ELA writing, middle school. High school is a different breed. I, I don't think I can teach high school at this point in my life because, yeah. These <laughs> kids is 
wild. Wild. And they have beards like yeah. me. And, and like, I'm not about that life. Like right now, nah, because I might want to put hands and I can't. Hands and feet <laughs> on one of these kids. You feel me? But yeah, teaching is what kind of leveled me out. And I, you know, uh, I have a, my passion is essentially to mold the minds for tomorrow. I teach, I love middle school because that's the age that you can like really mold them, found, give them a foundation. So uh, that's the demographic I teach. I teach uh, seventh graders. And uh, I think that's my favorite grade because they're at that midpoint of like, oh, I don't know what I don't know when, but it's fun kind of thing, you know, and you get to just like mold them. But uh, yeah, other than that, bro, Aside from teaching my new passion as far as filmmaking to kind of bring that into fruition, it was, um, I guess it was always in me. Like, like my dad, shout out to my pops, like he put me on the black and white film when I was like 11 years old. So I had no choice. Context, bro, I was the youngest. So we never had rights to TV. Whatever everybody else was watching, that's what you watch it. So let's just say I sat through the Petrified Forest, Casablanca, freaking 12, 12 Angry Men, you know, everything, bro. So with that, like, I gained appreciation for cinema. And, like, I was able to, like, you know, watch movies from a different perspective. So when I went to college, um, SUNY Purchase, um, I was able to take a bunch of uh, dope course, courses in film. I took women in film, uh, comedy film, American crime film, and uh, comedy film. Uh, yeah, it was a bunch of courses. And the one that sticks out was American crime film. So we, our class essentially was in the auditorium. We would, the professor would talk for about 20 minutes. It was a three hour class. And then we'll watch movies. Pretty fucking cool. That's right? pretty cool. So I'll never forget one of my boys. He was at, he took the same class. And then I was like, yo, I'm, I got to leave. I got to dip. So I would leave like during the break. Because that was the thing to do. Three hour course. You had to leave, catch the bus, catch the train. You leave like in the half break. But I remember my professor caught me one time. He was just like, yo, you took this course. Why leave? Why waste, you know what I'm saying, your time? And that stuck with me, you know what I'm saying? So after that, like, I never left the class again. But that class opened my eyes because, like, you think about how the characters develop and how they play into the plot and how the cut scenes makes, tell a story and then how the focus, it was just all of that I love. And it just, you know, data for later kind of thing. And um, after that, bro, Fast forward to like 2020, <laughs> I just started like, I have a laptop. What are you waiting for? And that's the first step, bro. Like, I'm sure you went through it too, putting together your podcast. Like, that's the most difficult step, that first step. You know, because essentially you're trying to get your mind from crawling and getting your brain to function and get your, your, your dreams to just start walking. Like, you're trying to literally train your dreams from crawling to walking. That's a bar. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I'm stealing it's, it. <laughs> but it's just one of those things, bro, like, that first step. And that was the toughest step for me because 
I was terrified. I was terrified because I'm like, what if my honesty is too much? And that was the test. Like doing this film thing, bro, and when you're trying to do a docu-series on love, <laughs> you have to be prepared for everything, you know? And you also have to be prepared to be vulnerable, which is I had to really sit with myself and really legit have conversations with myself. Like, are you ready for this? So filming just takes on a different meaning for me because it's something that I'm truly passionate about. And it's essentially, bro, is what kept me sane outside of my son during COVID. It kept me sane and it like channeled like a different, you know, energy within me where it was just like, oh shit, like I'm on to something here. So. So let me ask you this. So. What's up? And, and we're gonna go into my next question. I got another question here related to your film, your filmmaking. Mm -hmm. But why would you choose a, a a subject like love to talk about, right? Because I feel like even yeah. if like you get, let's say you get people to come on, are they really going to want and tell you about all their heartbreaks and all their failed wow. relationships? Like, do you did you feel like in the beginning that was a difficult subject to want to make films on? You know what's crazy. Everything spawns from a heartbreak. So that's how it started, bro. Um, I was married for about four years, five and a half years. Um, got married young, 23, 24. And when that ended, that created, like, I wouldn't say created, it left a hole in, inside my heart to be real about it. That's how it felt. And that was like a huge void, you feel me? Because to get poetic about it, when you are so when you essentially immerse your whole self with someone, you you, you kind of lose sense of who you are. And essentially you lose part of your soul, you lose piece of your heart. So with that, you know, I had to like rediscover or find myself. And that's why Brooklyn plays such a huge role in my life because that's where I moved to after, you know, my uh, my separation, my divorce. And, uh, you know, um, Broken Land TV actually was birthed from in Brooklyn. So it was a playoff, like the broken, you know, the, the concrete, the cracked streets. And there was this, uh, and also <clears throat> one of my good friends, his name is Rich. We came up with the, the, the name together, but essentially it was just like, yo, broken land just kind of just stuck and then i just added the tv but uh but yeah um <clears throat> with uh romance and love it's universal but it's also so fucking nuanced everybody has a love story bro everybody and that was when i had to really sit with myself and realize and come to the conclusion like bro at some point in time you got to share your story because essentially what what will how are you going to get them to feel you know so i always start off my interviews with that you know i let them know the reason why and you know the idea of love for me and how i grew up it wasn't the most giving of situations as far as love but you know growing up in the hood you know projects it's like it's different survival you know, and that's something that you 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 grow mindful of as you get older. Coming from that environment, everybody in there is on survival mode. 
You know what I'm saying? Nobody in there is living on a six-figure salary. You feel me? Everybody's trying to get it. And I think that's is that's also the mentality that I have. I kind of like, you know, transferable skills to teaching and anything I, you know, I put my mind to or, you know, endeavors of such. So Brooklyn TV filming and love is just is universal. And I think my experience is what brings people in. And I think when they bring people in with their experience, you give them more of a comfortable, you know, aura. And they want to talk. They want to express themselves. And a little wine never hurt nobody. So, you know. <laughs> That's the secret yeah. sauce. That's the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to convey or what do you want your overall message to be with Broken Land TV? What do you want people to take away from your episode or from your films as a whole if they experience them? What is something that you always want as a prevalent theme? I try to give everybody, try to give people different, you know, perspectives, different views. Um, I have an episode with a transgender and she discusses her battle with love and trying to balance that with her own sense of identity, you know, different perspectives. And that's something anybody can feel, anybody could relate to, you know, because we're all at some point in time had a battle within ourselves of who the, who the fuck are we, you know? You know, so it was just one of those things. I always want to challenge perspective and want you to think, you know, outside of it. Um, so love it, like I said before, it's not just with a person or, you know, this could be for, an, for something that you want to achieve, a, a goal, you know. I have an episode when someone lost a, a relative um, and how they were mourning through that. Another episode I have uh, was with... Um, my former uh, co-worker of mine, her, uh, she lost her nephew to, uh, to, uh, to gun violence in Brooklyn. And it was one of those things where, like, everybody mourns differently and everybody's also hurting. And that's what I'm, that's one of the main things I discovered with this project, man. Like, everybody has a love story and everybody's going through something battling with something and i think the main thing i want people to get from broken land tv is that i want you to see yourself within these episodes you know and i think with with each episode i think i've accomplished that uh i try to be very creative you know you'll realize as the episodes grow you'll see like oh i see what you did there you know so it's always i'm always trying to push the envelope forward and trying to give people a different perspective so it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey, bro. Like, I know you, you know, as a creative, it's just like you're never off. Like, your mind is always, you know what I'm saying? Because as we're talking, like, I'm already thinking about how the hell I'm going to push this into this scene. And, you know, so it never stops, you know? So I'm always going. But, yeah, that's the main thing I want people to get, man, just to see themselves in these episodes. When you watch film as a filmmaker yeah what are the things that you seem to notice all the time like what are the things that you watch for when you watch a film so when i watch it oh. right if it's if it's the avengers i'm like oh shit iron man yeah. dope like when he gonna put the suit on <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. i'm sure you though as a filmmaker what are the things that you like to look at or notice when you watch different types of films that's a great question so i i love 
are music scores, movie scores, right? Music sets the tone. You feel me? Like, and also, I I I love a great beginning. I like I love a great intro. So one thing I pride myself on for Broken Land TV episodes, what is love? I pride myself on transitions. People always love the edits, the, the you know the, that I put in, and the music. I feel like the music and the transitions is what kind of hooks people, keeps them coming. So the music, I try to be very mindful of it. So it, it takes. It's very. I feel like I don't. I don't know if you ever seen footage of like. I don't want to say Kanye because I, I could say okay, you know Kanye. So when he hears like a beat and he's just like, yeah, he just go, like he just goes. So for me, when I hear, when I feel like I got something like a, a perfect scene or whatever, like I'm like, Oh, and then I want to play the song. I want to hear the song for like 10 minutes straight. Cause I want to make sure it fits. And I, it's like a routine in my head. And it's just like, it gets kind of, <laughs> it gets kind of like wonky because I'm like, uh, oh yeah yeah and then i'm like doesn't work <laughs> it's happened all the time but i get very intricate very you know detailed um with it but intros are very important to me and transitions music of course but the main points is just that intro because that's like i said you hook in the transition so i'm i look at that in movies because i feel like there's a message you know i'm always with the hidden message so yeah so when so when did you figure out that that was the part of movies that you really enjoyed, the music scores or how the music would set the mood for the scene? Like, when did you figure that out? Easy. Um, Superfly. Oh, okay. You know, because, like, I don't know. I mean, you you, you know, the original. I know Superfly, yeah. Like, the thing is the music, bro. Like, Curtis Mayfield is a fucking genius. And like, I just love how the music flow with each fucking scene. Like every, like you can play any song and it'll go with the fucking scene. And I don't know. I just always channel my inner Curtis Mayfield when I'm picking like music to go with a particular tone of an episode. So definitely super fly. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I love music. I, so music is my thing. If any, I make sure I get the sound right first before I even get to the episode because the sound lets me know how I'm going, where I'm going to go in the episode. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, give you guys a little sneak peek. There's an episode I did um, with the recent one, um, "Love Is Sisterhood." It was a former student of mine and her mom and her sister, and they were talking about essentially, you know, how you know, with the lack thereof, their presence of their dad not being in their lives, how that impacted them. And essentially it grew like this sisterhood and like, and, you know, with their mom. And it's a beautiful thing, beautiful episode. Check it out. Um, love is sisterhood. But the intro of it, I, I got footage of them rapping. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. And they were like babies. And one of my former students, she's in the episode. She's she probably gonna kill me, whatever. But she'll be all right. But uh, <laughs> it was cute. So I figured, and they're Brooklyn. They live in New Jersey, but they're Bed Stuy do or die. So it was like it was only right that I rep for Brooklyn. You know what I mean? So I was able to you know start off with that, and then go into the Biggie. So 
that transition was just like, ah, oh, it just made sense. So it kind of let me pick up on how I could, you know, move with the episode. So it was seamless after that. So music, as you can see, just plays a big part. When you want to put music in your in your movies or in your scenes, do you yeah. want to stick to like hip hop, R&B, black music, or do you want to just have all types of music? Because All types. All types. I got, um, I have an episode, Love is House Music, uh, DJ Elmo, you know, um, you know, he ain't black, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he, and it's a different genre of music. And I learned so much in that episode. I learned that the shit started pretty much in Chicago and black folks started them. And that's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it has its own fucking genre, like this, like this fucking, there's a following, like people fucks with house music. Um, and it was just dope. And funny story with that episode. So I started the episode with this dude talking about a particular song that was remade. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, it was a Paul McCartney uh, cover. Someone's knocking on the door. Somebody ringing a bell. That song. Um, yeah, my voice was way high for that, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it was that song, and I found I have to, bro, and it was just like this. And I'm sure, again, as a creative, all the creatives out there, when you stumble upon gold on accident and then it just works, it's one of the dopest feelings. So I happen to just be rummaging through YouTube looking for footage, like for fillers, and I stumbled upon that song, that Paul McCartney song, "Let Him In." a remix and it was fire um to hear that remix go to that <laughs> uh, what is love uh love is house music i believe that's episode eight check that out um but yeah that song just kind of messed so it was just seamless bro um i love when those things happen and to answer that question fully i want all access not just to you know our our black music. I actually misspoke. All music is black music. That's a fact. Yeah, but I was about to say. Yeah, I was all gonna say. I should have said all genres, but all black go. music. I fucked that up. I will. I'll nah, admit it's it. All good. And I'll leave I'll it in the just... edit too, just to let people know like, <laughs> I'm, I'm real exactly. like that. <laughs> and this is what well, happened. This is podcast talk, so we good. Yeah, man, we kicking it, man. We kicking yeah. it. So. Omar, what would you say were so, some of the obstacles that you had to overcome in the beginning when you first got Broken Land started? As a podcast, it's just like you got to find your voice. You got to find who you are. You got to figure out who you are quick so that way you yeah. can convey it over the microphone, right? Because yeah. for me growing up, I was influenced a lot by radio, right? We yeah. would, That was one of my memories. You driving a car, Wendy Williams. We would, I would listen to Wendy Williams all yeah. the time. Funk Flex, Power 105.1, BLS, Kiss FM, all of that. Like, that mm -hmm. was my childhood. The radio was it. So it mm -hmm. really made me want to be in a place where I would have something like that. That's where it started for me. I was inspired mm -hmm. by that. So trying mm -hmm. to figure that out, like, well, okay, I'm not Funk Flex, but maybe I can do some things like him. It's like trying yeah. to figure out who you are in the, yeah. in the, in the platform or in the space. So... Yeah. For you, what were some of the biggest obstacles when you first got it started, when you first started making ah, it? That's a great question, bro. Um, but the obstacle was just fear, overcoming my own, you know, anxiety about it, bro. Like, because, again, 
when you want to start a docu-series or be a documentarian or whatever, you have to be willing to be vulnerable, be naked. Um, that was the first obstacle for me, I, I, if I'm being honest with myself, because I'm used to not being in front of, I'm not used to being in front of the camera. I'm used to being behind the camera. I mean, I did a podcast, um, Fuck Your Opinions podcast, and and that was cool, but I was on, I was in the camera, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I wasn't an A mic in my, in that podcast. I was more or less like, I had a, my role was just essentially like, um, comic relief slash like medium opinions kind of thing. Like I wasn't the person that had the big opinions because I really didn't, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't a room shaker when it came to that, you know? So shout out to my co-hosts, uh, uh, Boss Chick Rain. Carnegie Kid um, also has a dope album out. Um, uh, the Prince of Kings County, dope album. Um, and shout out to my homegirl Q. So we were we had four four of us, and that was a dope experience. But it was just more or less. Um, I wasn't really like I wasn't I was I was wheezing my way out of that, easing my way out because I podcasting wasn't really the thing that I wanted to do that would convey what I wanted to convey. I'm also a huge advocate for mental health. Aside from that, um, also uh, I have a mental health show actually premiering soon. Love yours coming soon. Uh, my boy, Dave also part of the dope hip hop alternative rock group, oxymorons. So, uh, yeah. But other than that, bro, um, it was, uh, just the process of overcoming that fear and then after that as you know trying to garner an audience that mm. shit is really fucking difficult so that was another hurdle another obstacle i was so fearful of because it's like who the fuck and how am i going to get them to invest so doing these interviews that's what i'm thinking about so i was very mindful of who i was interviewing and the questions i was asking and also just trying to challenge myself to be more creative. Um, so that was definitely another huge obstacle, definitely trying to uh, get the subscribers. And I'm at 135, which is, a, which is very, very, very good for me because I, I'm, it's just me behind the yeah. machine. You feel me? So the views were almost at 5,000, 30, 30 videos um, climbing up. Um, I love the feedback I'm receiving from it. And for me, my passion is creating, creating and, and sharing stories and, and just giving people a voice, everyday people a voice, because essentially this is what, you know, it's what it's about. And uh, sharing and having conversation, you know? Um, so that was definitely an obstacle, like, you know, getting subscribers and getting people to, you know, getting people who don't know you. You feel me? Because let alone, and I'm not sure if you have a question about support, but it's really difficult to garner that support. You know, it's let alone from people you 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 do know, but then you're trying to hit a, a set of people that you don't know. So that was the that was the challenge, and let alone trying to get people to you know invest in it. You know, so invest their time. So you always have to go back to the chalkboard. You know, so. That was another obstacle, support, because you're fearful of that. What if you don't get the, 
the feedback or support, you know what I mean? So that first episode, Love and Video Games, when I tell you, I was <laughs> I was super nervous, man. It was it was nerve-wracking. And it's one of my favorite episodes because that particular day I did another, I did another interview. So I had to like go to Queens and shoot down to Manhattan for another interview. So you, you already know the grind. So it was just like it was it was like kind of like seeing the fruits of your labor coming into fruition. So yeah. But those are three, you know. I'm right with you with the with the subscribers, the, support like the support, the subscribers. But in the beginning, yeah. I first turned the microphone on. It was just like it was so shocking to me how my yeah. voice sounded. <laughs> like I put the mic on and I started talking like test one, two test. And I just yeah. started saying like random sentences to see. And I was like, yeah. damn, nigga, you sound like this. <laughs> like, I wanted to have that all state, you know what I'm saying? Are you in yeah. good hands? You know, Barry you White type hand? voice. <laughs> and I'm out here like, damn, dog, this is how you sound. Who the fuck is going to want to listen to you? That mm. is like, and I was so negative. I had to like take a step back. And say, well, think of all the people that you like to listen to. Funk Flex mm -hmm. got a high ass voice. Mm -hmm. People love him. So it doesn't matter what you sound like. I had to get over that quick because I was mm -hmm. like, this is a podcast. I can't distract. My voice is going to be the most prevalent thing here. Like, mm -hmm. I can't do nothing to hide with how I sound. So exactly. you got to get over that. And once I got over it, I was like, bet. Like, I'm going to just go with it. I'm going to just be me. That's all I wanted to do was just, I always want to be me. I want to play the music yeah. I like. I want to talk about the sports and shit that I watch. I want to talk about music and all the shit that's going on out here. I just mm -hmm. want to be myself. And I got over that quick. But then the support, let me tell you. And I still feel it now. <laughs> yeah, there bro. is like, you see it on the gram. You see it on social media all the time. You got to support your friends, right? You see that shit yeah. all the time. All the time. And then when they push come to shove and you look in, and you're like, mm, support your friends, huh? I see that bull that's that bullshit you speak in. Let me tell you something, man. It was <laughs> one time, I'm not even gonna name no names here, but one of my friends, like I posted something, something, something that another artist, 50 Cent posted. I'm like, and it's just it's simple, but it's just like, yo, what is going on with the universe? So I play, I, I posted it and I'm like, whatever. Got a couple likes. And then like he essentially liked 50s drink and then like mine, but it's just like, even though that could be, that's tedious or small to some people who are listening and watching, but it's just more or less like, if we really put those, those small tokens of, you know, so small gestures into fruition for our friends, we put that energy because it's essentially like what we're doing to these celebrities. Like, hey, we over here. Hey, over here. They ain't concerned about you. All they see is numbers. It's just numbers. And essentially, man, and that was the one thing I wanted to get through to people is just like, don't veer off of the support or or, or, or or fall into that. Because at the end of the day, make sure you're doing what you're doing for the love and the passion that you have for everything else. That monetary gain, if it's meant to be, it'll be and it'll come in abundance. I'm not doing what I'm doing for no type of monetary gain. I'm doing it essentially because. Is what I'm passionate about, and that's what that's where the riches come. You are rich every time you open up your your MacBook just to get your book started. You know what I'm saying you're rich whenever you open up that you know that composition notebook and you write your book of rhymes. 
You know what I'm saying? That's your luxury. That's your rich. That's your wealth. You know what I'm saying? So I I feel you on that. And that particular thing is just, that happens all the time, bro. On Instagram, it's like, cool. You know, 50 Cent, he'll have like four different trailers for two different episodes for his power universe. Uh-huh. And it'd be like... <laughs> Yep, straight up. You feel me? Like, I'm real talk, though. Like, and it's just like, that's what's up. You feel me? And then, you know, and it's like, but I get it. I ain't 50. Right. You know, but um, all I'm saying, it'd be the same people talking about support your friends. And it's just like, support is support. Point blank. Support is support. Um, but yeah, but I feel you on it. Shit, like you don't even know 50, goddammit. You know me. Yeah, fuck? you know me. Like, if you seen 50 in the street, love, he wouldn't know you from a hole in the wall. He wouldn't know you me. if you told you if you told him you was in the third grade with him. <laughs> but me, you know me. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's good? So it's all it's part of it though. I, I also I had to figure that out too. Like, ain't nobody gonna feel sorry for you. Like, you chose this life. If this is one of the hurdles and and things that you have to go through in your process. Everybody went through it and they processed. Yeah, I'm sure there's people. And out it's here, just what it is. Yeah, people out here told Jay Z he couldn't rap. I'm sure they look stu- feel stupid about it right now, but that's just the way it goes. Especially when you're trying to build from nothing into something. When you're trying to go from the bottom to the top, so it's just oh, part boy. of the process. It's funny that you mentioned Jay Z. He's been quoted and like the one thing about social media and everything now. Everything everybody has an interview. Everybody has this. So he said on his interview, he said, "You only have to be right once." Yeah. True. You know, so you only all it takes is that one particular episode, bro. Who knows? This episode could be the one that pretty much catapults both of us. You know, it all it takes is that one, one post. So there's another post I read, you know. Um <clears throat> you're already you're, you're always one post away from changing it, changing your life, pretty much. Because that's the world that we're living in now. That's crazy. Viral. What was that 15 years ago? You thought it was something had to do with a virus. You feel me? <laughs> so it's crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we you got could have got into it. My next question for you kind of segued yeah. me into it. Uh, what what advice would you give to a young person who wanted to start their own business, their own creation, or their own movement? Um, for me, it's always I just say you got to ask yourself: Are you trying to ride a wave, or are you really serious about this? Mm-hmm. If you want to do a podcast, are you willing to do a podcast once a week, once mm-hmm. every two weeks, and nobody listens to it and you still do it? Or is it something that you're doing because you think it's going to get you a lot of attention? What are mm-hmm. your real intentions of doing this? Are you really serious mm-hmm. about this? Are you passionate or are you not? Because if you're not, then you're just wasting your time. So for you in filmmaking and in education and all these things, I'm sure you interact with a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. So what is the the advice that you give them if they want to start their own thing? Um, remember their why. Remember your why. Um, I feel like that's universal. Uh, for me, as far as teaching, like I said, my why is always I always wanted to be that teacher that I never I never had and I always wanted, and that's what keeps me going. You know, and my students, they appreciate it because they know every time they walk into my class, it will be an experience. You will learn and you will be challenged. And I think that's if that right there doesn't prepare our youngins for life. And I don't know what does. 
because that's essentially what life is. And um, there's a lot of bumps and bruises, but that's what challenges are, you know? Um, but that's my why when it comes to that, as far as education. But as far as this, like I said, legacy, you know? One thing I realize now, we live in a world where everything now is documented and we are cemented in this universe of forever, essentially, right? So when I think of that, when I think of what I'm doing, I know that whenever it's my time to have a seat with the big man, and hopefully no time soon, um, my son will know his father's story. and. That's my why, you know, my son is my legacy. He's my everything. So everything that I do, even this interview, everything is for that little man, because I want him to know that there's a model of go get it. You feel me? So just go get it. Like I was, I had a, a friend of mine, or well, he's not a friend of mine anymore, but I, I told him one day, I'm like, I'm going to write a poetry book. Homeboy laughed at me, like he dead laughed at me. And I was just like, all right. And like years later, um, I wrote a poetry book, you know. And um, again, it's not something that you do for monetary gain <laughs> by any means. Um, I just love the art of it. And poetry, the reason why I write, my why is essentially, that's to save my life, man. I'm indebted to poetry. Um, so. It's always trying to aspire, bro. You know, legacy, aspire to inspire, and just being better for the next generation. You know what I'm saying? So, see, big shit. See, this is why you gotta have the teachers on because they always give you that Joe Clark lean on me type joint. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Joe, now they call me Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's true though. You know, I you know, I was go back to education. Like I remember yeah. in high school and middle school, there were some teachers like who really showed you that cared about you. Like yeah. they really like did things for you and like yeah. really let you know that you just you live in the Bronx, but you can do anything that you want. Don't put a ceiling on yourself and on your potential, and you can really achieve anything that you want. I've been lucky enough to actually still speak with a few of my old high school teachers and they all say the same thing. Yo, I knew you'd be doing something like this because you wouldn't shut the hell up when you was in my class. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, funny. it's good to see like people who could see something in you before you could yeah. see it in yourself. And for teachers, yeah. I'm sure they see that in a lot of kids like, oh, this kid's Yo. really good at this or this kid is really good at that. Yeah, like, you can see man. It. And you always want to push them to just be great like i have students who pursue basketball i actually went to a, a basketball game one of my former students one of my former players they played a game at the barclays uh place for transit tech high school and it was such a <clears throat> a dope feeling man like i essentially you know got him into the school they came to one of our games because i coached him in middle school they thought he was a stud, and then look at him now. He's dunking at the Barclays. I have another student. He's a rapper. He lives out in, uh, I believe, Atlanta now. And funny thing is, funny thing is, homeboy, <laughs> he was lazy as hell in class. Lazy. Lazy. Yeah. He would sleep in class, but he had, like, this knack for music. 
And he put me on some logic. He's like, yo, Miss McCray, you need to listen to this logic song called Under Pressure. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And like, he always really had like that sound, that, that ear for music. And now he's a rapper and he's pretty good. Uh, Yato Banks, Yato Banks. I, the funny thing is, it's probably not even pronounced that, but check him out anyway. <laughs> That's my little man. Uh, but yeah, man, we, you have to really think like we are essentially, you know, we're the muses of the world. You know, um, these kids need that. They deserve that. Who are we to tell them, no, you can't rap? You know, of course, your job is to guide them and let them know that education can propel you to be a, that better rapper. J. Cole, my boy went to college. He ain't, college, he ain't no dummy, you know? So that was always my thing. Um, but I would never steer a kid to not follow his dreams. Who are we to do that, you know? Because at some point in time, all these people who are millionaires, they had teachers like us. How do you keep the kids interested in school, school work, but also like letting them know like it's cool to want to pursue your passions and mm -hmm. be a more well-rounded individual, but also like you got to listen, you got to do this homework. I know you want to spit the bars, but you still got to <laughs> do this homework. So like, how do you balance being someone who wants to motivate them to be bigger but also yeah. keep them grounded enough to say, yo, you still got to hit them books and focus on school. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I have, uh, I have this student who's an amazing artist. Like she can draw. She's, that's going to be her, that's going to pay the bills for sure. Like she's an amazing artist. And I've all, I'm always catching her drawing in my class. And I say, hey, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but of course, but I'm like, hey, you know, I love your drawing. I love it. It's amazing. Love it. I want to put it on my refrigerator. But you got to finish the work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I always bring it back to that because that's the bottom line. But you always want to make sure that you see them. You feel me? Like, that's just my approach. Everybody may have a different approach as a teacher. Maybe you want them to put it away. But I feel like you. Don't, I feel like when you just shun that, I feel like you're putting their, their dreams, their hopes away in there. You know, just... Hey, I love that you're, I love the raps, you know? I love it. You might even recite a bar or two, but then just always bring it back to that. You can always get back to it, but let's do this, you know? Um, empathy. I feel like we all, before we were teachers, we had dreams too, you know? And I think I never, I mean, so like I said, to answer your question, I, I never pushed, their, pushed them away from, what, from their passion. If, if it's in class, as long as it's not affecting their learning, you feel me? So those kids that I mentioned, like they were except they're exceptional students. What do you think needs to change in the public school system as a whole? I think that more uh, art and music need to be introduced and kept in the curriculums. <clears throat> but also like there's so much other things like kids need more funding in the schools and you know, more attention and more after school programs. And you could go all day talking about public school, yeah. but as someone who was in it, what can you yeah. say as a, having a firsthand experience, what is one of the major things that you think needs to change in public school? I mean, well, I've taught in public school in the beginning. I'm now in charter school, in a charter school world, but it's the same, same thing, tomato, tomato. Um, <laughs> I feel that the lack of art hinders you know freedom of just expression creativity i feel like art or music rather 
because there's there aren't any music uh, classes in middle school. Well, the middle schools that I've taught in, and um, I remember I was in Brooklyn and I am I brought out you know had the idea of incorporating like a a hip hop class, you know, and incorporate like a DJ class, just different elements, like not just your can you know contemporary to piano flute, like give them something that you know, and um. I think it's important because for one, for me, I love music and I'm also into the arts of how it's created. Our kids are creators. Like we want them to think non-linear. We want them to be like individual, like individual expressions, if you will. I mean, because we all can't ride the same rate, ride the same beat, you know? So we all have different cadences. I don't know. It's just one of those things. I wish we had more of a presence and I can talk all day about it, the benefits of it. But the lack of arts in schools, it's, you know, it plays a part in their learning. You know, I feel like with math, it goes hand in hand with math. Same thing with, you know, it, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I can go all day. It's, it's real. It's real. And you notice it. Like, I know, I remember in middle school, right? The, I had yeah. music class. I did have it. But we had that little janky ass plastic recorder. You understand? You know, that's what I had. But all but when I got to high school, there was no music whatsoever. There was no art whatsoever. It was just the classes and gym and lunch. And yeah. I was like, well, you really, you know, you you don't benefit from that because you just look at school as like a, a obligation. There's no reason that you're excited to go to school because all mm-hmm. you have all you're doing is sitting there reading from an old ass textbook, and that's it. You don't have ever expressed yourself outside of gym and you just running around playing basketball mm-hmm. or whatever and you know you don't really have no outlet to express yourself as a child yeah. right so what if your parents can't put you in after school what if you have to go home after school and you don't have an opportunity to be around other kids and be creative around other kids like people i feel like kids mm-hmm. really suffer from that because i in high school i remember i suffered from that and then what do you do as a kid you doing all the shit you know that you're not supposed to do because it's just something different so I think that in school, like I feel like art and music are really important just to give them something different, that have them excited. At least maybe it'll make them come because I get to go to Mr. McCray class. Exactly. We get to play on the turntables. It makes me want to come instead of yeah. just sitting there doing stuffy math. And who cares about the hypotenuse of a triangle, bro? I don't. I, about that shit. I know I don't. So like... It just it, you want to incentivize the children yeah. to have a reason to want to come yeah. and be involved. So I feel like that really yeah. is something that could change. Definitely, I agree. It's more than it's more than life than you know. I want to say more than life because every, we need to know math, right? I get that. We need to know ELA, science, social studies, the essentials, but we also need that other side where these kids can actually express themselves creatively. I agree. I agree. So what keeps you motivated in this space in filmmaking? What is one of your chief motivations to keep you wanting to keep trying new different filmmaking techniques or having different types of guests on your show? Like, what are your chief motivations to keep on filmmaking? First off, brother, your questions are impeccable. Shout out to you, man. Um, definitely. A1. Thank but you. But what motivates me is my man, Tom Brady. He just retired. <clears throat> He was asked one time, he's like, yo, man, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? The next ring, the next one. So what keeps me going is that next episode, 
because I feel like with every episode, I always get that one person that's like, yo, man, this right here, like, and that's just so that's the beautiful thing. So it's always that next episode that motivates me to tell that story better than I told the previous one. Mm. You know, so the next one, you know, it's going to be a bit more heartfelt. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to telling that story. And then uh, I've been blessed to have, you know, so much material to go for like, what, six seasons. So I'm, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, it's all the way up for me. So yeah, that's the motivation. The next episode, for sure. What, what motivates you to stay in the, uh, with the, the young people in education? What's your motivation to keep teaching? Uh, these bills. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I appreciate the realness. I appreciate the I mean, realness so much. I'm being real. Uh, I love what I do, but ultimately, <clears throat> these bills come too. And uh, until Broken Land puts me in better land, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, teaching these teaching the picnic is what's going to do. Um, Failure. But no, honestly, also outside of that, all kidding aside, what, what motivates me, keeps me going with these kids is when they say, you know, not to say the cliche, you're my favorite, but when they give that reason, you know, when they say, you know what, because I feel comfortable because you, you know, you keep it real with us, you know, so that's the gratification, the validation, you know, when whenever a kid knows I'm not going to be in school. They're like, oh, man, like they're upset, you know. So that, that's what motivates me because I know whenever you walk into my class, and it's an experience. And I pride myself off of that, you know. I always, my go-to is like, I swear we're learning. Because whenever you walk past my class, there's always like a laughter, a loud or a laughter, or like, oh, oh, oh. And then it's like, I'm always singing. So... <laughs> I'm always singing in class. So it's one of those things where if like I have a kid who's like asking a question, I'm like, repeat your question. <laughs> or I'll just say, like, I'm just, I'm crazy. Like I'm, I've done like impersonations and cause you got to keep it bubbly, especially if you're teaching social studies. Like you can't, you're either going to be the, the vising commercial guy, like clear eyes, dry eyes, or you're going to be, you know, my, which, you know, it's crazy. I watch TV shows that have the whole teaching things. Like I watch, um, there's a show on Netflix called Miss Thing, Mr. English, yes. And he's like a social studies teacher. And he's a, um, he's actually a comedian. I forget his name. And uh, he does the whole impersonations thing, but the kids are still learning. So I always wanted to keep that essence of it, you know? Because I knew, like I said, for me as a student, man, like, and then I didn't have a teacher like that who was just like, oh, you know, so I wanted to make sure I, you add that because kids don't learn from people they don't like, right. you know, you know what I'm saying? So I want kids to understand like, yeah, you like me. I like you. I think you're cool, but we're going to learn too, you mm -hmm. know? So that's what motivates me now. All right. I got you. I got you. So Omar, my last of my serious questions, NPR questions is how can we leave a path for the future generation of creators for me it's mm -hmm. always like i want to be open with my time 
I want to make sure that I can help them in any way possible. If they reach out to me and say, man, I'm really Mm -hmm. interested in doing a podcast. I feel like it's sort of my job to give them all of the information I have, even if it's just what kind of mic to get or Mm -hmm. what kind of audio mixer to buy, just because I know that I was that person once and I needed a lot of help. So I just feel like it's always important to give that love back and you can't take all the game with you. Right. When yeah, you go, you, can. you can't take the game with you. So I always just try to give it away in any way mm-hmm. that I can. So for mm-hmm. you, how, in your opinion, can we leave a path for the future generation of creators? Listen, got to listen to him. Um, my nephew coming up, he's into photography. Shout out to Nasir. He goes to New Paul's. Um, it was almost like the teach me the game ghost kind of moment. You know, like I'm always, you know, whenever I can. You know, whenever he asks me questions about certain things, I, I try to be as honest as possible. Shout out to my other nephew, Rasheen. He's also a comedian, uh, Rob, a comedian. <laughs> and, you know, he asked me about the podcast thing. And I'm just like, bro, um, you can do it many a different ways now. Like you can invest in your equipment. You know, you could, uh, you know, do it via social media, you know. Um, so it's just listening to them and help and guiding them, like you mentioned, like giving them that free game, but also just hearing them out, molding their ideas and it comes into listening because much like they can learn from us, we're all essentially professional learners and we can learn from them as well, you know? So it's one of those things where, you know, if we are planting each other's, you know, if we, you know, planting each other's, you know, root uh, plant each other's roots if we help seeding each other's you know roots whatever i still fuck that up anyway you know what i mean people yes planting the seeds 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 people um it's it's just it's a beautiful thing and i think we need to start by listening to them like they already feel they're not being heard we just have to get out of our own way and understand when our time is past like when we are already done with our duty, like you said, man, free game. Cause we're not meant to take it with us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's meant to be left here. You know, it's not to be sold, it's to be told. Right. No, okay. I see the I see the poetry bars. <laughs> you can't help it. It's all I good. Can't help it. It's know, all it's good. To be told, not to be sold. <laughs> you know, you know. So yes. that's a dope question too. I was like, wow. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's a great compliment. So moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-D. Twitter is the exact same thing, except there are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And one thing I do every show, Omar, is I answer questions from the listeners of the show. It's a great way to keep them involved. It's a great way to keep them engaged. And it's sort of a great way to break up the monotony of just Mm -hmm. you and I talking like Mm -hmm. we on NPR or, you know, (laughs) New York Times type interview. So what I would like to do is have you answer some of the questions from the listeners to help them understand things about Omar Moore. We want to dig deep. We want to have the people really take away from this interview that they know. All right. All right. Let's get it. So we're going to have you answer some of the questions from the listeners. The first one I have for you says, what songs are in your current listening rotation? Uh, see, I can't prepare. Oh, shit. Got the track list. 
right her yeah right her um because i'm gonna just go with what i listened to recently played so i've been fucking with a lot of 070 shake oh yes if you don't know who she is she is fucking amazing um 070 shake i've been messing with uh that that whole album um Modus Vivendi, uh, gotta let him Modus, Modus Vivendi. Vivendi. I get, I was about, I'm glad you said it because that was, I was gonna mess it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've been messing, I've been rocking with her, and also um, this new artist. Well, not new, it's new to me. Her name is Orion Sun. Oh, I know, I know uh, Orion. She's an amazing artist. Uh, it's a dope one, dope. And uh, outside, of course, with Zelda, you know, I'm a. And I'm hit. I'm the boom bap. I'm the I'm the, you know, I'm a boom bap kid. You yes. know, so I'm, it's like a breath of fresh air for me. Yo. So that's pretty much where I'm at. And also some jazz. I fuck with jazz. I listen to jazz every day. You know, keeps me keeps me sane throughout the day, especially dealing with these kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's me. What's in my rotation? Bumping a lot of 070 Shake, uh, Kanye, um, Griselda, or Ryan Sun. It's, it's it's the same thing because it's just like music, bro. Nowadays, it's just like I can't, man. Uh, it's just it's nineties, early twenty, early two thousand hip hop to me. Yeah, when when I first heard Griselda, I don't remember the first song I heard. I thought I think it was, I want to say it was West Side. Boom 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 boom. boom. Uh, I think it was Brossface Brippler with him, Benny, and Busta Rhymes. And I was like, who the fuck are, th- who is this? Like, who is this? And, you and know I was crazy? hooked from then. You know what's crazy, bro? Like, I feel like they really peaked, peaked during that whole pandemic because yeah. there was so much music. Like, people knew of them, but I feel like at that point in time, as artists, creatives, that was the perfect time to just put shit out because yes. everybody was vibing in in the crib in the car listening to music so that's how i got put on a griselda especially during that time when he played when he came out with pray for paris pray for paris yeah and also freddie gibbs freddie, freddie gibbs, gibbs the one. man it's another one i forgot about him like freddie i gives the man i listen to everything from freddie gibbs yes you know so yeah, yeah. griselda man that just it make me feel like you know i wasn't really i was alive but i wasn't like in yeah. the streets in the 90s and that real like i didn't get yeah, yeah, that yeah. I wasn't, I was one years old when Illmatic came out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like I wasn't in it like that. So like when I hear Griselda and then, you know, there are people who are affiliated with them, like Boldy James, Mm. I really like, I really like Macomb, I really like Macomb. You know, like I love hearing these type of guys because it gave me that feeling that I didn't get to experience, you know, firsthand in the nineties and stuff, you know? So I love those dudes. And they New York dudes. Well, Goldian, but they New York dudes. Like, I love them, yo. I really yeah, love them. Yeah, man. That's what's up. Definitely. Shout out to Griselda. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. And it make you feel yeah. tough. You like, you listen to some shit. You, listen to some listen. you feel like, yo, I'm about to go up in here and make and flip something. <laughs> listen, man. I, I said in one of my uh, teacher's lounge episodes, like, whenever I know I'm getting, like, observed or if I got, like, a big, you know, I don't know, lesson. I'm always listening to some Brazil to some amp music or some shit. Yeah. It make you it just get you, get you in that mode. Like, damn, like Word. damn, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm Conway. So Omar, this is a great question for you, actually, because you're a filmmaker. My okay. next question for you from the listeners <clears throat> is 
who would you want to play you in a movie <laughs> about your life? This is a great question. You got to ask the filmmaker uh, who, who you want shit. to play you. Antoine Fisher was smart. He got Derek Luke. So who uh -huh. are you going to get? You know what's crazy? I think of Derek Luke, but no. So funny story, bro. I don't think I've told, shared this story. You remember the movie Finding Forrester? Yes. All right. So this happened when I was in high school. I believe I was a junior or senior in high school. And they were holding auditions for that movie, <clears throat> Finding Forrester, at Gaucho's Gym in the Bronx wow. at 149. And I remember reading the flyer to go audition. Like, they were giving it out. And they were looking for characters to play that character and also other filler characters as well. Um, the reason why I know this story, because I used to work alongside Rob Brown, his brother, his older brother. So his older brother was actually the dude who was in um, the Lauren Hill video, um, Killing Me Softly. He was really? the dude. Strong up. Yeah, yeah. He's a dope artist, dope photographer, um, uh, dope creative. Um, this is years ago, but yeah, that's his brother. And um, I remember hearing about the audition and not going. <laughs> and I remember my my homeboy, my homeboy Miguel. He was walking. He was like, "Yo, man, you should go." I'm like, "I ain't going to that, man. I got better things to do." What the hell? I'm like, I ain't have nothing to do. And I was just, I guess I was just apprehensive. I was just nervous, you know, but come to find out the dude, Rob Brown, he was finding, he was the dude Forrester and come, well, not Forrester, he was the dude in the movie. And I could have been a fill. I could have been a role. I could have been a dude, you know, crossing them up. I don't know. Or could have been, you know, cause that, I believe that was his first acting gig. That was his first acting gig. So you never know. But yeah, um, I still didn't answer the question. Who would be my first, who, uh, you know? You know what? You know who comes up? Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. That's good. I like Lakeith. I like his range. Like, if you can play Snoop yeah, and then play, you know, um, that character from Get Out and yep. then play the character from... Judas and the Black uh, Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah. Sorry to Bother You. Yep. You got he, range, bro. He's range. He got range. And, you, and so, he goes and do Atlanta. He Darius. Yeah. You feel me? And I love them from that. So yeah, definitely, definitely. He's fine. Yeah. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Definitely. You see, yeah. I'm glad you didn't take the easy way out and just say Michael B. Jordan. You see, I'm glad. Nah, I can tell nah. you a real filmmaker. You, know, you feel me? Nah. I good. thought about that. I'm like, nah, because his range is crazy. Yeah, Lakeith is dope. He's super dope. Yeah. All right. And my last question for you from the listeners is, and this is a good All one right. too, because you love that music. What yes, songs, sir. if any, can you say changed your life? Uh, so there are two that comes to mind. One is an album that's in, etched in my heart, etched in, you know, College Dropout. Mm -hmm. So College Dropout, you know, plays a big part of my life because at that time I was a college dropout. So, and I was working two jobs. I was working... Um, per diem at this uh, at a Bard College and filing papers or whatever and after that <clears throat> I had a job in Brooklyn at this organic shop getting paid like $60 a day or whatever so I was hustling and I remember one of my greatest one of my favorite pastimes I'm not sure you might you might remember this um, the Virgin Megastore 
Yes. My mom used to take so, me there. Yeah, man. I that was one of my favorite pastimes because during that time, you know, pre-COVID, and you can go in and you can preview an album. You listen to the listen whole to thing. The, album, the whole album. Like I used to love that shit. So college dropout came out, listened to a couple checks. I knew I was gonna buy it, but I just wanted to feel it. You feel me? So I bought the album and I remember listening to it from 14th Street home and listening to it every day ever since then. Like I remember just like bugging off a commons verse off of get them high. Yes. You know, and like my favorite joint was um um there was like an interlude, because at that time that's where I was. And it's that interlude where he's like, I'm alone and confused, don't tell anybody. I got something better than school. Don't tell anybody, mm-hmm. you know? So that right there just took me because I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. And it was also one of the most scariest times of my life because I'm 19 and I'm not in school. I'm not playing ball. And it's just like, everything just seems to be fucked. But yeah, college dropout was that definitive moment because <clears throat> it was just spoke to my soul. You know what I'm saying? Like every song was like, damn, damn, yay, damn. You know, so yeah. Um, and there's another one too. Um, oh man. So DMX, rest in peace. He's like one of my favorite, all-time favorite people on yes, all-time sir. favorite rappers. Before Nas, people people don't know this, but Nas, everybody understands. Everybody who knows me knows Nas is my favorite rapper, favorite musician. But like before Nas, like it was DMX. Like DMX was like it, you know? So I don't know, I don't know why, but this song, uh <laughs> what what these bitches want for whatever. That's my yeah. I don't know why, but like <laughs> Because what they want from me. You feel me? So I always remember like my friends and I we would always like try to remember memorize all the girls' names. <laughs> so there's a T-shirt that I need to get. He, they have all the names. I need that shirt. That'd so anyone That's who's fire. listening, anyone who's listening, I need that shirt. If you have details on that shirt, so yeah, that that song right there because it's you know it just brings back memories of my youth of us you know trying to memorize all the names mm, like we did try to memorize the names. <laughs> but yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Mine is yeah. I got. My, I got Kanye on there too. I don't know if you can see it in the corner. I got Kid See Ghost right there. Oh, I did. I did see that. So I did peek. the song "Reborn," boom, Ooh. done. It really like because you know at that time I think that's 2018. I was going through a big transitional point in my life. I think I just turned uh, 25, and I was going through like, damn, like you know man. what you doing? Like why are you living this way? Or this and then I heard that shit, and I know the history of there mental health issues and their, mm-hmm. you know, struggles with that. And it's just like, that was like the song that got yeah. me like, yo, I'm reborn and, and I'm moving forward. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I needed. I needed to hear that. Like, put it in it's that It's funny way. that you say that. Yeah. It's funny that you say it because on that album, bro, there's a song called Ghost Town Part 2. Uh-huh. One of the songs that I love is Ghost Town Part 1 with 070 Shake mm-hmm. and like that song right there impacted me in a sense of her, the she says i put my hand on the stove 
if I still bleed. And it's and just it's like, like damn. Like, it's simple. Like, people are like, well, what? She only said that. I'm like, nah, but if you just really, like, feel the music, bro, and, like, because the message behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's real, you know? And I feel kind of free. We're yeah. still the kids we used to be. Also, you know what's another big song for me? December 4th by Jay Z. Oh. Because that was, I was, I remember this sh- like yesterday. Like you said, the Virgin Mega Store, right? There was another mm-hmm. store on 86th Street. It was called HMB. Mm-hmm. And wow. my mom used to take me and my sister to those stores and we would listen to music. And when I had a little money, she would, you know, get a little allowance. Mm-hmm. If you wanted, you could spend your money however you want. I told her I wanted to buy my yeah. my first CD. And the yeah. Black album just came out. It was 2003. I was 10. And I listened to it in the headphones. And it came on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sean Carter was born December mm-hmm. 4th. And I was like, oh, I'm buying this. I'm buying this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm buying this. And then when you like listen to it, he got his mom telling the story of his life as mm-hmm. a kid things how he was into and things he was interested in and he's telling his own story mm-hmm. coming up as a kid then getting involved with the drug game meeting the people who put him on mm-hmm. now he gets to the top he's at the you know at the beginning and now he's at the end if jay-z would have retired after the black album it would have been the most fire retirement ever that's my yeah, yeah that's the, an unpopular yeah, the concert no 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 that's it the way he That's did fair. the black album, you really thought like this was like how a last album should sound, in my opinion. And like if I if he really stuck to his guns and stayed retired after the black album, it would have been the most epic early retirement. Allure. Allure is one of my all-time favorite Jay-Z songs of all time. That's a, it's an amazing song. Yeah, it's like, like I album. like that. Like Hove was always that super cool hustler. I'm going to teach you how to get money. Or I'm going to show you like mm-hmm. I'm the flyest. None of y'all is cooler than me or fly to me. I got my own mm-hmm. shit. I'm a businessman, all that. When you really hear him guilt into his retrospect mode and mm-hmm. talk about his whole life and the way he came up and, you know, moment of clarity is on the black album. Like mm-hmm. all of that is just like, damn, like I really feel like if he would have retired after that and stayed retired, it would have been like Barry Sanders or something like somebody who just left the game early. And you just like, damn, they did that on their way out. Like, but the funny thing is, he just got better. Yeah. He got better. And it took me a while to really assess that properly because I'm not going to front. When I heard him on Watch the Throne, I'm like, all right, bro, it's time for you to pack it up. Oh, you thought you didn't think Watch the Throne was good? I know that's what I'm saying. I was about to be, I was about to be like, yo, it was trash. But I had to really sit with it and listen because, again, when you listen, you know, for the beats, because it's hard. Like Kanye is such a talented brother. You get you get lost in the fact that he raps his way. He makes really good music. So I had to like separate that and then really listen to the music. And Jay-Z still Jay-Z. Yo. He's still Jay-Z. Still. Yeah. I remember, I think what song was it? I think it was um Damn, was it? I think it was Drug Dealers Anonymous. That was what year? I don't remember. Oh. And I was like, damn, this nigga's still this good. Like, I was just so surprised. Like, damn, this nigga's still this good. And you're not going to get on the song with, on a track with Push and not bring your A game. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking maybe yeah, Push, what, Push will get him, but it. nope, he's still this good. But that's the beauty of it. Like, with yeah. certain rappers, I was just having this conversation not too long, uh, a couple of days ago. Like, you know what you're going to get. Like, if you get Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, J. Cole on a song together, 
Like, you know you're going to get bars because those type of rappers, they're going to try to compete with one another. Like, you get Kendrick on any feature. You get J. Cole on any feature. You know you're going to get a dope song. Merked. You know what I'm saying? Because people are going to bring the A pen. You know, they're going to bring that A game. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Music is so important in all of our lives, and you don't realize how important it is until you get older. Because, like... I don't know what Jay-Z thought of when he wanted to make December 4th, but as a 10-year-old, I just was like, like, it just shocked me. I was like, I want to buy this. Like, I want to buy this. I don't know nothing about drugs. I don't know nothing about nothing, but I want this. And I was like, Ma, I want this album. And I didn't think she was going to let me buy it because it's parental advisory, of course. She let me buy it. I was so happy. I had a little bum-ass little CD player. Man, I played that shit all the time. All the time. What's yeah, funny is crazy, <laughs> what's funny is the second album I ever bought, this is hilarious, was Ludacris Chicken and Beer. <laughs> Luda always had crazy album covers. Like when I seen that and yeah, then, like his songs. He I feel like the baby is like him reincarnated. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, big facts. Big facts. Yeah, I think him and Luda are like almost like big facts. You know, similar. But Luda, I feel, was more lyrical. Yeah, yeah. Luda, Luda was a beast. Like Luda, the baby seems like he only uh, got one flow. Yeah, and it's like it works for him. Yeah, I'm not even. It works for him. You know, it works for him. But uh, yeah, Luda was a beast for sure. Chicken and beer. That's why I bought it. He was on the cover holding a leg with, with a chicken high, and beer. He was holding a girl's leg. And holding a piece of chicken. I was like, I want this. Like, I want to buy it. I'm like, why, Luda? Why? And then the red light, the purple, blue light special. The red light district. Red light light district. There we go. Yes. Ludacris was the man in the early 2000s. Oh, my God. The man. I've never been a rapper. Like, I respect rappers. I respect athletes. And I respect uh, artists. Like, people who draw well. Because those are the skills that I never was able to cultivate. So, like, when I meet a dope rapper or someone who draws dope shit or, you know, someone who plays sports, like, on a big level, it'd be like, damn, like, nigga, you like Superman. Like, because I just can't. Yeah. I never had that ability to do those things. So, I always have big respect for those people in those fields. Nah, for sure. I mean, got to. I mean, it's always, I mean, rhythmically, it's always, I mean, for me, I'm a poet and it's a different type of cadence when you're, you're doing poetry, but not so much. But I know, like, I I mean, I'm, I've never tried it, but I know sometimes when I write certain stuff, I use certain like hip hop cadences. So, yeah, maybe one day I'll dabble into writing one rap song. Oh shit! Myself. I, I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do the Griselda ad libs. That's all I can do. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's all I'll do. <laughs> I got you. If you need those, I got you. <laughs> Listen, I might. I, I will. You know, <laughs> hey, I got you covered with the ad libs, yo. I got I you. I appreciate that. All right. And Omar, my last question What's for up? you What's for up, the bro? day is what is one thing that you want to leave the listeners with as a piece of advice, a life jewel, or something very important that you just like to express so we could tie a nice little bow around this Christmas present of a podcast? Oh, man. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you for having me, bro. This was a dope experience. Yes, sir. You thank know, you. two kings having a conversation. So definitely. Man. Um, You know what's crazy? I've always been like, I want to be one of those dudes that they quote 
and they use like a caption with the words like, you know, man, when I get up in the morning, I always want to <laughs> brush with the extra force. No, nah, but um, <laughs> um, I tell you, man, I will say like, and we talk about COVID, I'm glad we started with that because that gave me a different level of appreciation for life. You understand? Um, Most deaf said this on a Midnight Miracles podcast. I'm not sure we can, you know. He said, we're all walking in the same direction. You know, like, that shit hit me. And essentially we are. But it's just a matter of how we get there. You know, we can get there as individuals. You know, or we can get there together. You can bring people in with you, you know? So I'm very big on how are you going to leave this world? Are you going to leave it, you know, how do I say, how do you say? Are you going to leave it in a, in, in a better state than it was in when you arrived? And I always tell my students this. I always say the two most important times of your life is the day you were born and the day you realize why. And in this world that we live in now, bro, it's just a matter of understanding that. Um, know your purpose. Because without a purpose, you're worthless. You understand? So it's just bars. You know what I'm saying? It's just effortless. But, uh, <laughs> but all jokes aside, um, your why is important. Your why is important because along that journey where we're all going in the same direction, what you have in tow is your why, you know? And when you're at that destination, you're there. There's a moment when you look back and you realize the people that you've inspired along your journey. It's kind of like The Alchemist. I'm not sure if you read the book, The Alchemist. Um, you know, Santiago, in the midst of his journey, trying to find his personal treasure, he looks back and like he's, the journey was the treasure, you know, the journey within itself and um that's where i'm at and every day i wake up i i feel like i'm santiago all over again so we all going in the same direction just a matter of how we all get there we can all get there together as individuals you know so and with that you know we'll see how the world ends up Will. We will. And, you know, hopefully more people adopt that mindset. We'll be in a better place mm-hmm. when we go than how we came in. I will say definitely, that. bro. Well, Omar, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I fun, really, bro. really appreciate you coming on. Had a great yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. with you, man. Yes. And uh, yes. I really appreciate the time, you know, taking the time out, come and talk to me today. So yes, there's yes. nothing left for me to do for you, bro. But to roll out the red carpet again. I would love for you to reiterate your name and all of the places that the people can find you. So Omar King McCray, um, you can find me. Well, now I can, I can introduce this. I'm also a poet, published poet. You can find, (laughs) you can uh, uh, purchase all books, anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon.com. You can use your Amazon prime discount. You'll get it the next day. Um, King of love alchemist cookbook. Um, uh, March 3rd, my journal to the world. So it's a collection of 
really personal, vulnerable poetry, some rewritten poems that I've written when I was 14 years old. So you guys are in for a treat when you uh, purchase this. Um, also, handles, uh, IG, Adventures of Cray. Um, also, Broken Land TV 1, number 1 on Instagram. Also, Broken Land TV on Twitter. Uh, Broken Land TV 1 on TikTok. And uh, Broken Land TV, YouTube, please subscribe. Please subscribe and check it out. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend. What is love series? New episode, um, February 14th. New episode of Teacher's Lounge, February 12th. And um, love is love and know your why. Um, I appreciate you. All listeners, all viewers, and, you know, bless. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we appreciate you, man. I really yes, do. Man. At least I do, man. So I appreciate that, King. Yes, it was a great, great pod today. I hope you guys yes, really yes. enjoyed it. I certainly you did. Do. And it is tradition around here on the Bronx Bias podcast that we allow our guest to choose a song that we play at the end of our podcast. Uh, so, Omar King McCray, the yes, honor is sir. yours. What song would you like to play for the good people out there? Oh, uh, man. So this is a dope, dope, dope uh, segment. Um, you have to play Kanye West, um, Ghost, featuring Party Next Door, featuring 070 Shake, featuring Kid Cudi, featuring everybody from Good Music, apparently, in, this, in the credits, because Kanye likes to add everybody in the credits. Um, yeah. You might be in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, definitely play that Ghost Town. All right. Well, thank you so, so much again, Omar, for coming on. Appreciate I you. wish you nothing but love and, and successes in the future. And I know when you touch that big bag, I better get a phone call to be an Definitely. extra or something in the movie Definitely. as the host, like Spike Lee did with Do The Definitely. Right Thing. I want to be that dude. So I'll put it to you like this, bro. Whenever I do a, a, a grand premiere of an episode, you will be my host. And we can I, do like hey. a cold... Bronx bias. That's how we keep it in the family. What they say in Wu Tang, man. Your seed, marry my seed. You That's know? right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You, uh, know, I, no you doubt. know, I'm a shamelessly campaign now. You know, I'm trying listen, to get on listen. all type of bruh, things now. Bro, that's how we keep it. That's how we should keep it, man. All right. Well, I, listen, it. I'm going to hold you to it. And listen, I really hold appreciate you to it. it. I got you. Yes, I, thank yes. you. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish yes. you again nothing but. Met success Same to you, brother. Same to you. Friend of the show. Friend yes. of the show. Love what you're doing, man. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. No doubt. No doubt. Round of applause for my guy, Omar McCray. Round of applause. <laughs> and that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 90 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say shout out to me for two years doing this damn thing. I'm very, very proud of what I have accomplished, but there's so, so much more for me to do. I want to say thank you to everyone who tunes in who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website 
BronxBiasPod.MyShopify.com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me on there. If you're a fan of the show, you like listening, it is very, very important that you check out the merch. Hook yourself up with some gear. Help keep this brother from the BXMY going strong. We got two years down. Let's try to get two more and two more and two more and two more. I really, really appreciate you guys, and I sincerely appreciate every single person who not only tunes into the show, but who has purchased some merchandise from me. And we're going to fade you out today with a great, great, great song, which is my guy Omar McCray's choice, and it is called Ghost Town by Kanye West, featuring 070 Shake, Kid Cudi, and Party Next Door off of the album yay and this has been the bronx bias podcast episode number 90 have a great week have a great weekend out there and be safe and i'll speak to you guys next week we are out
To see if I still bleed 